huge, you know, like you could live, like you grow up on one side of it and never see the other at all, right? Like when I was a kid, I never, like I never watched RuPaul's Drag Race. That wasn't like my gay TV. My gay TV was um, Anderson Cooper 360, so, right? I love a man that's like technically gay. That's what I, like a, like a Buttigieg kind of guy, right? Like, like if he had a flow in the Pride Parade, it would just be like a gray Honda Civic, you know? Going to like softball practice. Yeah, well, like I said, high school still sucked ass for me. It's a very easy target, you know, like I really did bring a tote bag to school. <laughs> Through my Satan. <laughs> I should read The Atlantic sometimes, I'm not such a stereotype. Uh, I, my, honestly, I was pretty low on the social ladder. It was like me, the assistant principal was like one above me, and above us all was like the kid with the rolly backpack, you know, he's like the cool kid in our friend group. Like the kid that bullied me, I had a bull cut at this time, by the way. Keep that in mind. I get that that's a large visualization. I had a bull cut. Kids that bullied me were an anime club, which is ass. One of my bullies posted a video of himself on Facebook recently doing katana choreography to Evanescence. And every day, like, he was like, faggot, why? <laughs> me? How? And he's like, you eat vegetables. What? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I, I guess, you know, I feel like when you live your whole life and you just like kind of a dig, you know, people just like, just dissing your identity, the, the, the only things that make up your very small existence. Morning, ladies and gentlemen, fans of labor and love, we're starting a little late today, so we're going to play our breaker right now. Pick up again with you in about 10, 15 minutes. Thank you very much. Listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Let's watch I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent, five percent. Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, uh, let's watch full-length full movies. Oh, wait, let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, See you next month. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. 
LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Since 1971, the San Francisco Tenants Union has been fighting for the rights of tenants and for the preservation of affordable housing in San Francisco. Starting from the struggle for rent control in the 1970s, the Tenants Union has been the city's leading advocate for tenants. The Tenants Union is supported by membership and counseling donations, and this enables advocacy to be uncompromising and not influenced by pressures from government or other funders. It is a 501c4 since it campaigns for political candidates, so generally donations are not tax-deductible, although large donations may qualify. Please visit WFTU.org for more information. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Black, black, plastic. Mutiny Radio. FM Saturday noon to two every Saturday. All music, all night, all day. The ACLU of California reminds us that we have the right to speak out. Both the California Constitution and the First Amendment to the United States Constitution protect our rights to free expression. There are many questions we face when we decide to organize and speak out. Do we need a permit? Are there limitations? Or when or when can we not demonstrate? What about civil disobedience? For all of this information, please check out ACLUNC.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Alex! Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternatives they're smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com
Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> San Francisco Mutiny Radio San Francisco Mutiny Radio Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast And you can listen on the go Listen to live streaming radio Or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. MutinyRadio.fm Why not make a donation? MutinyRadio.fm Streaming live the station. MutinyRadio.fm District of the Mission. MutinyRadio.fm My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor.
who have an insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh like maniacs, who draw shock and awe on faces graced with watching, who create from the soul of an orgasm, who swagger even alone in the shower, who fight with passion and love with passion and our passion who catapult over cliffs in the name of revolution who would rather die than fall in line to conform who constantly challenge the norm who greet each and every day as if just born i say to you i know your greatness the way a suicide jumper knows weightless just before the impact and in fact i know it best when i say to you i love you are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports. Vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> hey, everybody. Listen to the Weekly Review with Roman every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. This is an unapologetically anti-capitalist program. We interview community organizers, activists, and artists. We talk about ways you can take action right now. So listen in to the Weekly Review every Friday. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio.
radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to creepy things. Let's watch I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. We're hosts of... (laughs) YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast with our acronym L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. We watch a full-length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and watch the movie at the same time. Yeah. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. Yeah, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. That's every Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, 5%. 5% yeah. percent right. I'm time. so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show, 5 p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh. Uh, uh, let's watch full-length full length movies. Oh, wait, let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, uh, see you next month. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, work. news and the power of unions along with that he serves up an excellent mix of jazz latin gospel hip-hop and traditional folk ballads great stuff check it out labor and love is every saturday 10 a.m to 12 p.m serve somebody since 1971 the san francisco tenants union has been fighting for the rights of tenants and for the preservation of affordable housing in san francisco starting from the struggle for rent control in the 1970s 
The Tenants Union has been the city's leading advocate for tenants. The Tenants Union is supported by membership and counseling donations, and this enables advocacy to be uncompromising and not influenced by pressures from government or other funders. It is a 501c4 since it campaigns for political candidates, so generally donations are not tax deductible, although large donations may qualify. Benjamin, pump those dick jokes every Thursday, 7 to 9, with True Hustle Thursdays. Hashtag THC. That's hashtag THCD. You want more open mics? Fridays, 6 to 8. Happy hour with guest host and George D. Smith. Pew, pew, pew. Four open mics every week at Mutiny Radio, brother. Asiento. Come in after work and take a seat at Asiento, a great place to meet friends, have delicious tapas and drinks, and relax with your neighbors. Located at Bryant 21st Street in the Deep Mission, Kitty Corner Block from Mutiny Radio. Come and get a drink during the comedy festival and enjoy happy hour pricing all night long with your festival ticket. A great neighborhood bar. Come take a seat at Asiento. (laughs) 
of the Roxy Theater is San Francisco's favorite nonprofit art house cinema, bringing you the best, coolest, weirdest, most thought-provoking movies of the past, present, and future. Hands down, there is no better way to get your film fix than at this legendary historic theater. Visit www.roxy.com. That's www.roxie.com today for showtimes and tickets. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Are you tired? Adios, mi amigo, Jesús y María. 
Good morning, everyone. This is the Labor and Love Show. Welcome to you. He was waiting for the bus and his army green sat down in a cafe there Gave his order to a girl with a bow in her hair He's a little shy so she give him a smile And he said, would you mind sitting down for a while and talking to me I'm feeling a little low She said, I'm off in an hour and I know where we can go
maybe a young Turk, maybe the head of some big TV network, maybe rich or poor, maybe blind or lame, he's living in another country under another name, but you, you gotta serve somebody.
Okay, Eddie James there. And you know you got to serve somebody. Good morning, everyone. This is The Bee. Welcome to Labor and Love Radio on Mutiny Radio. And mutinyradio.fm. Coming at you this morning from 2781 21st Street in the Meadow Meadow, the heart of the Mission District in San Francisco. This is the show where we tell you like it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, wherever you work, You're probably on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Good morning, everybody. We had an opening set there. Started out, of course, with deportees. Deportees by the highwaymen. Highwaymen. None other than Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christofferson. Uh, quite a group there. Johnny Cash singing lead there on Just Deportees. Much more about that in a bit. We had, Then we had Traveling Soldier by the Dixie Chicks about to the fact that every day somewhere American troops are involved in wars. Every day. This is for those soldiers who are out there and also to get them back home. Wars where workers of one class shoot down workers of another class. Thin out the possibility of resistance to capitalism. And last we had Etta James. Queen of the Blues, gotta serve somebody. The Bob Dylan classic reminds us that yes, your indecision, your hesitation, serve someone by just standing around, you're rushing backwards. Okay, now I remarked about that case. We're talking about that case of uh, deportees and. This is, the song, of course, relates the fact that even though these people have come to the United States and worked, you know, they're uncelebrated. No one remembers them. Just barely their names, and other than that, they'll be just deportees. The song was written by Woody Guthrie and popularized by Pete Seeger. Since then, it's been recorded by virtually everybody. In the certainly in the country and western genre. Um, anyway, a, a Chicano writer named Tim Z. Hernandez decided that yeah, that wasn't good enough. He wanted to go and find out who these people were. 
This is part of a uh, an interview on Latino USA on NPR. Here we go. 32 people on the plane, four Americans, including three crew members and an immigration official, and 28 migrant farm workers. Everyone died that morning, all in the same way. But they were not all treated the same after death. The 28 Mexican field workers on that plane were known as braceros. They had come here at the request of the U.S. government and were headed back to Mexico, but didn't make it. After the crash, only the remains of the four Americans were sent back to their families. The Mexican citizens were buried in a mass grave in California under a tiny plaque that read, 28 Mexican citizens who died in an airplane accident near Kalinga. 28 Mexican citizens. That's all they would call them. And for decades, that's all there was. No one identified the remains of the 28 passengers. No one asked for their families. No one really paid attention until a Mexican-American author came along and it became personal. From NPR and Futuro Media, this is Latino USA. I'm Fernanda Chavarri, guest hosting today's episode, where we go back 70 years to find out the names of those 28 unnamed people and find out how one man made it his life mission to give them names. And to do that, I'm joined by producer Maggie Freeling. Hi, Maggie. Hey, Fernanda. So when you and I found out about this incident that took place 70 years ago, we were talking about how these people were virtually forgotten. They were nameless in death and in the news. But the crash itself, it turns out that more people might know about it than they realize. Goodbye to my one goodbye, Rosalina. Adios, mi amigos. And it's all because of one song that kept the story alive throughout the decades, a song that has a very long, confusing title. Deportee, parentheses, plain wreck at Los Gatos. And it's sung here by Pete Seeger, a super famous American folk music icon. 600 miles to that Mexico border. But Pete didn't write the song. He just made it famous in the 1950s. Pete's good friend Woody Guthrie wrote it. When Woody heard about the crash on the radio, he felt this strong sense of injustice. So he wrote his feelings down as a poem, and it later became the song. All these friends all scattered like dry leaves. Who are these friends who are scattered like dried leaves? The radio said they were just deportees. These kinds of poems and lyrics were not unusual for Woody Guthrie. He was always sort of a revolutionary. Woody was kind of the embodiment of your quote-unquote everyman in the sense that he lived and worked and wrote and traveled among the people. I'm Nora Guthrie, and I'm Woody Guthrie's daughter. We called Nora to find out why Woody wrote this. There was a very strong similarity between the migrant workers in the 1930s and the Okies in the 1930s. The Okies were farmers in Arkansas, Kansas, Tennessee, and, of course, Oklahoma. They lost their homes during the Dust Bowl and migrated to California. Woody Guthrie was one of these people. When Woody came to California, he was homeless, living in tents and little tin shacks. 
and so were the Mexican field workers. <laughs> They're kind of all in the same boat. And I think that just instinctively, he connected with their plight. He didn't start out to be political. He started out just being curious. So he would always dig further and further uh, into the news reports. And that was what happened with the plane wreck at Los Gatos. Somewhere along the way, Pete Seeger, who was Woody's friend, got a hold of the poem, set it to music, and started singing it. Then, the song got huge. It took on a life of its own and was covered by dozens of musicians. Johnny Cash, Johnny Rodriguez. The crops are all in, and the peaches are rotten. Dolly Parton. The oranges are piling. Joan Baez. So Bob Dylan. Woody's son, Arlo Guthrie. So you have all these super famous all-American music icons singing about Mexican farm workers in the 1940s. And it's really crazy because this song was sung throughout the decades, and yet nobody bothered to find out who these people were. And my father left a lot of songs like this. Sometimes I call them like seeds to be harvested by the next generation. So the, the thing is that he left this song with the question, why weren't the deportees named? These are the words that kept sort of, I kept humming in my head, all they will call you will be deported, all they will call you. Uh, I'm Tim Hernandez, and I'm the author who's been working on this plane wreck at Los Gatos for the last uh, seven years. And the name of your book is? The name of my book is All They Will Call You. So here's where Tim comes in. He's a professor and an author, so he's always sort of digging for stories. One day, Tim was doing research for something unrelated back in 2010 when he came across a newspaper article. And it said 100 people see an airplane fall out of the sky, ship plunge to earth, and, and it was a farm labor accident. So Tim was like, weird, that sounds familiar. And he realized that it was the same story as the one he knew from the song. And the same way that Woody Guthrie was bothered by the injustice decades ago, Tim too wanted resolution for the families of the victims. So Tim set off on a quest. You know, I just let my curiosity sort of pull me, and I began to ask, who is all, and who are they, and what do they call you? And, and that's uh, that's just what kept me going. That was a, a quest that over the years became more and more personal for Tim, as he saw the similarities between his life growing up in the Central Valley and the migrant farm workers who died that day. You know, growing up, the son of migrant farm workers, I saw firsthand the moments where my family... Uh, felt voiceless, and um, and I started to see them play out as I got older, not beyond my family. I'd see them play out in the broader community, you know. Tim put himself in the shoes of these 28 families and thought, this could have been me. This could have been my family. I was born and raised here in California's San Joaquin Valley, the agricultural hub here. Uh, my parents were actually migrant farm workers originally from South Texas and New Mexico. You know, kind of growing up with migrant family, uh, you know, we traveled a lot, quite a bit, working in different fields and different harvests um, throughout the year. And my parents did that pretty much, uh, you know, up until, I don't know, I was about maybe eight or nine. And although Tim's family didn't participate in the Bracero program, they did spend generations working the fields in Texas and California. Farming is America's biggest industry. 
all such farm jobs which are tough, dirty, or unpleasant are generally referred to as stoop labor. The Bracero program, to summarize, was a seasonal worker program that was a sort of amicable agreement between the U.S. and Mexico that went on from the early 40s to the mid-60s. At that time, the U.S. desperately needed workers to pick fruits and vegetables. It isn't easy to find men willing to take on such undesirable kinds of work. Understandably, then, the American farm labor supply falls short and is supplemented by Mexican citizens. So they gave Mexican farm workers temporary permits to come here and do the work. Millions of Mexican workers came and went. When the harvesting season was over and the U.S. government didn't need them anymore, they would send them back by train or fly them by plane. And that morning, that's exactly what was happening. Those 28 migrant workers were flying from San Francisco to El Centro, right on the border with Mexico, in a U.S. government chartered plane. So based on Tim's research and interviews with the families over the years, here's what happened after the crash. Officials recovered as many scattered body parts as they could. Then they formally notified the families of the four Americans and sent them caskets of pieced together remains, some as far as upstate New York. As for the Mexican passengers, the leftover body parts were also put in caskets, but they were not sent back to Mexico. They were buried in that mass grave we mentioned earlier. 14 on one side, 14 on the other, in Fresno, California. So the Mexican passengers' bodies were never repatriated. Some families in Mexico were notified by the Mexican government via letter. Others only heard about it on the radio. It's unclear exactly how each of the families found out, and if they even knew where their loved ones were buried. We reached out to the Mexican government officials at the embassy in D.C., but were denied an interview. Of course, we weren't going to find people working there who were working for the Mexican government 70 years ago, but we wanted to know how the government handled this. An official said via email that today their policy is to help families in Mexico find funeral homes and cremation services in the U.S., and that based on the family's financial need, the Mexican government can help them pay for part of the cost of getting their remains back to Mexico. We also wanted to know how only some of the victims of the crash ended up identified. So to find out, we flew to meet Tim Hernandez in California. This is all cattle territory up here. It's uh, Los Gatos Canyon. It's all ranchers. In fact, Larry's um, family were cattle ranchers up there. They were correct. And oh my so, God, did you see the baby cows? I'm sorry. I know. They were the cutest little baby cows. <laughs> did you see the big long horns earlier? Yes. Yeah. We're driving to Colinga about an hour southwest from Fresno with Tim and his friend Larry Hawes. Larry's a Harley-riding, leather-vest-wearing white guy. He's sort of Tim's sidekick and an unofficial historian of his own family, the family that owned the property where the plane crashed 70 years ago. It's hard. Every turn looks the same here, unless you know exactly where the crash happened. So then that's what prompted me to want to call, find Larry's the Gaston family, so that I could identify exactly where it happened. Uh, I have to ask, what are we driving through? What is, what is this? This is called the oil patch, and this is the Kalinga oil field. And uh, this is, uh, Kalinga is actually Coaling Station A. Oil was actually discovered here. And today, 
There's a whole bunch of industrial oil derricks covering a huge part of a barren desert area. The plane would have been able to see these oil derricks as it was coming in here this way. And because he had crash landed that airplane twice before, it, it makes sense that one could actually, you know, you could surmise from that that he was more than likely looking for a strip of dirt to land on. You know, there's nothing he you could do. Crash landed it twice? <laughs> that same exact airplane he had crash landed twice before. Okay, so it wasn't the exact plane, but the kind of plane, a Douglas DC-3, which back in the 30s and 40s was a pretty revolutionary plane. Frank Atkinson, the pilot, was used to flying and crash landing the DC-3. So he thought he could land that plane again. And he might have been able to, if all that was wrong was a plane malfunction. But... Plane wing broke off and it started spinning out of control and throwing people out. We're here? Yeah, we are here. We're going through the barbed wire fence. I'm so short. This barely works. <laughs> This is the actual crash site, and this was where the main bodies were at, and dead people were everywhere, right where we're standing. Larry wasn't born when the plane crashed, but growing up, he heard stories about that day and about how his family raced to the scene to help in any way they could. Larry's mom and his Aunt June were little girls at the time. His Aunt June was nine years old when she saw the wreckage and is the only surviving witness in Larry's family. June was standing, you know, not too far off here looking at and I witnessing all this. June is turning 80 soon, and she still remembers it all in very graphic detail. So we called her to get her account of what happened. We saw bushes with brains hanging on it, and my thought then, as a little girl, that looks like decorating a Christmas tree. It was just all over with these brains. At the time, June didn't realize the impact this would have on her beyond the trauma of witnessing a crash. Do you remember, as you got older, learning more about it? I do remember because my mother was following it in the papers. And I remember her shortly after that saying, this has become an international incident because they've buried all of these uh, people together in a mass grave, then that really occurred to me how really terrible that was, that they were just demeaning these people because they weren't us. By leaving their name off, I finally came to see what an insult it was. Tim also felt like the 28 people who died that day were not treated humanely or equal to the families of the American passengers. So he wanted to right that wrong. Tim felt that these braceros were sort of invisible in life. And then in death, they weren't even given a name. In some big dream I might have in the future, maybe put a, some kind of a headstone marker with their names on it. So first, he went to the cemetery in Fresno where the mass grave is. He wanted to see the plot. So he asked Carlos Rascón, the cemetery director, to show him. After they walked over and saw the tiny plaque in the back of the cemetery that read 28 Mexican citizens, Tim asked Carlos to see the cemetery's ledger of names. Surely the cemetery would have a record of who was buried there, right? But when Carlos pulled it out of the archives... So it just said, you know, uh, Mexican nationals 28 times. 
this point, Carlos also wanted to find their names. He wanted to know who was buried in his cemetery. So Carlos joined Tim on his search, which led them to one more place, the Hall of Records in Fresno. That's the place that keeps all birth and death certificates. And it was there that they were finally able to get a list of names. But they quickly realized that list was unreliable. In Mexico, you usually have two last names, your maternal last name and paternal last name, and so many of them were treated as first names. There was somebody with the last name Lara that was turned into a woman named Laura. And many of the names in Spanish were turned into Italian names. So they knew right away this list was botched. The fact that they were misspelled, it kind of maybe shows a little bit of who might have been behind the pen or the books. Sure enough, there had always been a list with the names. But why didn't it make it to the cemetery? I would think that it's just, it was a very sad oversight, I would say. So there they were with an actual list of names in their hands for the first time, and it was wrong. But then... Carlos remembered that every November, on the Day of the Dead, someone came by to leave flowers at the mass grave. Someone was visiting a loved one. This was Tim's first real clue that these people were not totally forgotten. He wanted to find who that person was. So Tim put out a call on the local paper in Fresno that said, if you or someone you know is related to any of the 28 Mexican passengers who died in that plane crash in 1948, contact me. And someone did. That's coming up after the break. Okay, and uh, we'll take a break here too. Play the rest of that later in the show. So far, Tim, Tim Hernandez, the uh, Chicano writer, has decided to find out the names of those people and not leave them as being deportees. Great story. Okay, here's some poetry by Jack Kerouac. Steve Allen. I had a slouch hat I had a slouch hat too one time the old slouch hat I just keep walking around and he keeps walking around with me around and around that necktie counter we went when it rained I wore my old slouch hat it was a good felt that I uh, had to carry through many rainy days late fall and early spring Perhaps it was a rainy day and the house dick might have saw my hat. Each tie on that ring worth six bucks. Brooks Brothers, 60 bucks worth of ties. Slacks with peculiarities. I couldn't even find a pair of slacks I thought it was suitable to wear. Wrapped one pair around me and pinned it in with a safety pin. <laughs> Pulled up my trousers and went out and looked at myself in the mirror. Oh no, those won't do. And I walked out. Wrapped the slacks around my waist. Took two other pair, went to the mirror, threw them at the salesman. No, those won't do. Good afternoon, and walked out. The slouch hat I got at Harvard Club, Yale Club, Princeton Club, or one of the other Dartmouth Club, University Club. Always barred the Yacht Club, because it was a little over my kin. Because the doorman knew that only Mr. Astor, Mr. Vanderbilt, and Mr. Whitney belonged. 
He couldn't say, good morning, Mr. Astor, because he knew I wasn't Mr. Astor. I always figured a way to heal into those other clubs. Not only a member of who's who, but a who's who also have to be a member of who's who in New York in the special clique of who's. <laughs> I get in the athletic club many times. And I'd go up in the billiard room, and I would wander back around the room, hands and back, and every coat rack I backed up against feel for the wallet. One day I walked out of there with 10 wallets. Bellboy looked at me over. Pretty soon, a very dignified-looking gentleman come up and buzzed the bellboy. He says, who? And I says, man told me his name while we're drinking at the bar and told me to meet him in this billiard room in the athletic club. I don't see him, so I best I better go. Well, tell me about the old slouch hat. Oh, one of my numerous trips to one of the numerous clubs in New York City. The hat finally was left in the hotel, which I had to leave rather hurriedly one night, never to return. So the hat was given to the cast-offs of the hotel, which they collect in rummage cells. May now be worn by one of the members of Skid Row, New York City, the Bowery. I seen that hat by moonlight. Yeah. I had a pointed mustache, and I mean pointed, half inch from here. Double-breasted vest and a derby hat and striped trousers, English shoes, black, very pointed. They were Hannah shoes. People on Broadway turn and look at me. The worst is yet to come. I had a paint sneer with a long black ribbon to my buttonhole. And I wore a carnation, white or red. Boy, did I look like something. A year later, I got caught. I was dressed differently and everything, but boy, that mustache and that pince necks was really out of this world. I used that outfit six months. Finally had to pack it in because it was too well worn. Pince-nez was in a coat I stole. Mustache I grew in the sanitarium while taking one of my numerous drug cures. My mother comes to see me, she says, oh no, cut it off. I'm just having a little fun, mother. Took it on the lamb and went to Canada. Late at night, I'm full of morphine and I come down full of goofballs too. This guy had ventriloquist doll and he gave out this Texas Guinan routine. Hello, sucker. We like your money as well as anybody else's. As a matter of fact, the bigger your roll, the more we take you. He used to get everybody interested with the doll and cut out silhouettes, put stripes in your tie. Wound up in his room, gave him a shot of morphine. Out on the highway, I thumbed the ride into Buffalo, and I put the bum on the guy for something to eat. He said, eat in my drugstore. So we went in the back, and he had corn on the cob and boiled potatoes. Say, fella, I was hearing people talk about morphine. What's it look like? He shows me. He had a key, a cabinet. He had bottles of hundreds, quarter grains, half grains, pentapon, dilated, everything. As soon as he tended the customers, I emptied the bottles. Got out of there pretty quick, bought a safety pin in Buffalo, and took a shot in the toilet. Come out and saw a fella shaving, his coat hanging there. Hung my own coat and gave his coat a brush with my hand. Felt his wallet, washed my hands, went out and took off with the wallet. So I started out on a shoplifting campaign in Buffalo. It was about 1910. Wasn't very experienced at it. Started out with a top coat and sold it in the taxi cab stand. Next day I decided to get myself some suits and I went up and I had a suit box and I walked about and put the suit box in one of the dressing rooms, looked and fooled in the mirror, went out and I hawked those two. Next day, like a damn fool, 
go out to the same store, but I got a newspaper instead of a suit box. Thought I'd try a new routine. Two guys kind of watching me. I went in, wrapped myself up, two suits, went in the elevator. Bottom gentleman tapped me on the arm. Will you come with me, please? And the county jail, they ate breakfast, you got oatmeal, with one spoonful of molasses. For lunch, stew, mostly bones, graveyard stew. And for supper, dinner at night, beans. And you couldn't smoke. We 
was a random set we had uh first of all jack kerouac from an album that he made with uh steve allen of the pianist uh poetry for the beat generation that was slouch hat by jack kerouac and then from uh jenny rivera the late jenny rivera late of uh Born and raised in Long Beach, California. And the bad news this week for her ex, Esteban Loyasa, Loyasa, hope I'm getting that right, who was a pitcher uh, for a while, a very accomplished pitcher, an all-star, started the all-star game for the American League, won 20 games with the Chicago White Sox. Uh was arrested in just across the border here in California with a big catch of uh, cocaine that was in a uh, secret room in his house. Then he sang, Ni princesa ni esclava. I'm not a princess, but I'm not a slave. Just a woman. And John Fromer there, another late, Comrade, brother, John Fromer, uh, with We Do the Work. What I want to do now is finish the Deportees uh, documentary. Uh, Tim Z. Hernandez's attempt to find out who those 28 deportees were, the ones who are sung about in the famous Woody Guthrie song. Here we go.
What does it take to start something from nothing? And what does it take to actually build it? I'm Guy Raz. Every week on How I Built This, I speak with founders behind some of the most inspiring companies in the world. Find it on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. whose bodies had been buried in a mass grave under a plaque that read 28 Mexican citizens. And not long after Tim put out the call, he got a response. Someone gave me a piece of newspaper and said, look, they're talking about your grandpa's uh, plane crash. This is Jaime Ramirez. We met him in Fresno with Tim. And I started reading it. He said, and I got my computer and I started... Jaime went to his computer and started writing Tim an email. He wrote in Spanish, I know about the accident because that's where my maternal grandfather, named Ramon Paredes, and my uncle, Guadalupe Ramirez Lara, were killed. Jaime then included his address. My phone number. And ended with, and, uh, if you need information, just let me know. Anything that you want to know, just yeah. Me. What do you need to know? I'm right here. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> and so that was really hopeful. Your email, as short as it was and as quick as it was, it had so much hope inside of it. And so I was excited to, to meet you right away, yeah. And not only is Jaime a surviving family member, but Tim didn't have to go to Mexico. Jaime was right there in Fresno. Jaime owns a restaurant called Ole Frijole, and everyone in Fresno knows the restaurant. Most of the employees there are related to Jaime, and they're descendants of two of the passengers from the plane crash, his uncle and his grandpa. So when he first told me that that was his restaurant, I said, no, I said, you're kidding, because I've been there since I was a kid. You know, I've been going there. I've, yeah. I'm sure I've seen you before. And yeah. that's my restaurant. And I said, yeah, it's legendary. And he said, you yeah, it looking, is. You were looking for <laughs> me, and I was right there. <laughs> and Jaime was there all along in more than one way. Remember the flowers that someone was putting on the mass grave on Dia de los Muertos? And I said, wow, you know, I wonder who that person is. Later on, I would learn that it, it was, was you. Yeah. Yes, I was in Salinas. It was Jaime. He's the one that was putting flowers on the grave. He was Tim's first found family member. And turns out, he was also Tim's golden ticket. The newspaper the my grandmother kept, and I kept it, I don't know why. So here's what happened. Not long after the crash in 1948, a small Spanish-language newspaper published an article that listed every passenger with the correct spelling of both last names. And it had all the names and where they were from in Mexico, the little towns. This was it. Three years of searching, and Tim finally had their names. in Faro, very old. It looks like it's a front page, right? Uh, yeah, it is. It is the front page. Yeah. Uh -huh. So That's it's a front page, and in the front page you have the two photos of a priest <laughs> uh, looking the over the, the bodies yeah. for the funeral service. On the right side is the column that has all of the names, first, last name, where they're from, the names of their parents or wives, if they knew them. Wow. I'm going to try to translate that as beautifully as it is written in Spanish. Mm -hmm. On Saturday, the 31st of January, 
that just passed, there was a funeral for the 28 compatriots that were chosen by destiny to perish in an unfortunate accident near Colinga, California. Like, just the way that this mm -hmm. is written is super, like, old oh, it's, newspaper. It's very poetic it's really also. really poetic. It's very poetic. And in fact, even the, even the um, biblical sort of... Um, Seeing how the Spanish-language paper uh, wrote about the 28 Mexican victims made it even more clear just how differently their deaths were treated and how their remains were handled. 28 families without closure without being able to have a physical place to mourn. And although, yes, most of the families knew how their sons, brothers, and husbands had died, they didn't get to have a funeral or a place to visit their loved one, lay flowers, just grieve. And as any cemetery director would know, Carlos says there is an importance to being able to visit someone's grave. It just uh, a sense of emptiness, like, wait a minute, you know, it's not just... Uh, some John Doe that got, you know, no family, indigent, nobody knows. There was information, and so it left kind of a blank there, like, wait a minute. You know. So now, with the full names spelled correctly, Tim, Carlos, and Jaime could start the process of making a proper headstone with all the names on it. And they would also travel to Mexico to try and find other families. Tim wanted to tell them that their loved ones were no longer in a nameless mass grave. So the first family Tim wanted to meet was Jaime's. Remember, both his grandfather and great-uncle died in the crash. So Tim and Jaime got on a plane and flew to Guanajuato in central Mexico. They were there on the 67th anniversary of the crash. Jaime set up a meeting with his family, and right at 10.40 a.m., the time when the plane crashed, they had a moment of silence. During the trip, Jaime told Tim a little more about his grandfather and great-uncle. Guadalupe and Ramon grew up in Charco de Pantoja, a farming community in Guanajuato. When they got older, they both owned land and farmed garbanzo beans, wheat, and alfalfa. But their town struggled to get an irrigation system in place. They didn't have the money to get it set up. That's when the idea to go work in the fields in California came up. So they both went back and forth working as braceros and bringing money back to their town. Do you remember stories growing up about them? Yeah. It's my, my, my tío. I still have to Era muy contento. Le gustaba andar a caballo. Y le gustaba tirar balazos. Sí, le gustaba, sí. His uncle liked horse riding and to just like and my, shoot up bullets in the air. Me decía que iba al pueblo, oía los balazos, decía, es el pelo de lote. Así le llamaban a mi tío porque estaba muy güero. His uncle was so blonde that they called him corn hair, yes. like <laughs> pelos de lote. Jaime's family is split between Fresno, California, and Guanajuato. And these are the types of stories that have been keeping his grandfather alive in Jaime's memory. So for Jaime to tell his family, his mother mostly, that her father would no longer be buried under a nameless headstone, it was life-changing. Now we know who the people are. Now we know who their lives are, who their family are. We know how they, how they are in this community. So on September 2nd, 2013, the new headstone was unveiled in the cemetery. These braceros, who were once invisible and forgotten under a mass grave, had their names on a big, beautiful marble headstone. 
Miguel Negrete Álvarez, Francisco Llamas Durán, Santiago García Elizondo, Rosalío Padilla Estrada, Bernabé López García, Ramón Paredes González, Tomás Aviña de Gracia, Guadalupe Ramírez Lara, Severo Medina Lara. In this moment of having these names carved into stone forever, this is what Tim and Jaime wanted for years. Manuel Calderón Merín, Luis Cuevas Miranda, Martín Razo Navarro, Ignacio Pérez Navarro, Romano Ochoa Ochoa, Apolonio Ramírez Plasencia, Alberto Carlos Raigosa, Guadalupe Hernández Rodríguez, María Santana Rodríguez, Juan Valenzuela Ruiz, Wenceslao Flores José Ruiz, José Valdivia Sánchez, Jesús Mesa Santos, Valdomero Marcas around the edges of the headstone are 32 leaves for the song that says, who are these friends all scattered like dry leaves? Which brings us back to the song. Who are all these friends now scattered? Folk like musician Pete Seeger, just like Tim, was always curious about his friend Woody Guthrie's inspiration for the poem. When Tim was working on this back in 2013, Pete actually gave him a call. Hi, this is Pete Seeger uh, trying to get a message Tim Hernandez, I'd like to talk to you. Pete also wanted to know, who were these people? And Tim had the answer. Did you ever think, Pete, you know, singing that song at any point that maybe someday someone would answer, answer that, who are these friends? No. And you took it on as a job that God would want done. <laughs> Tim wound up meeting Pete in person where he told him the names of the 28 passengers. And then, in commemoration, Pete played Deportee playing Wreck at Los Gatos. Goodbye to my Juan. Goodbye, Rosalita. Adios, mis amigos. Jesus y Maria. Tim wouldn't know it, but this would be the last time Pete would sing the song. When you he died a few months later. friends who were scattered like dry leaves had all been memorialized together in the end. The headstone also included the names of the four American crew members, because as Tim saw it, leaving them out would be perpetuating the same kind of omission, that erasure that started all of this in the first place. And since Tim had been in touch with the American families for a while, they were able to travel to Fresno and attend the ceremony at Holy Cross Cemetery. Jaime was there too. And at one point, a brown SUV pulled up, and Jaime's brother Guillermo got out. He opened the door and helped his 77-year-old mother, Caritina Paredes Murillo, step out. She was a kid when her father died in the crash. My mother also, I think she said that she felt like she was in the actual burying or ceremony from Oh, because she never got to do an actual funeral. So yes. for her, this was really the yeah. first, as if it was happening like, decades ago. Yes, yeah. she felt like that, like she was burying her father. And when you're standing here right now, what are you thinking no, about? Muy contento, I have to say in Muy contento porque se le está dando un reconocimiento a ellos que nadie siquiera se los hizo. 
He's happy that there's recognition and honoring of them finally in this community at least because they didn't really get any recognition or anything anywhere else. They were in darkness, you could say. In the, sh in the shadows almost. Yes, in the shadows. And I'll never forget when we asked her, you know, how do you feel, Caritina? And she said, well, I, I'm crying and I don't know if they're tears of joy or tears of pain, you know. After hearing the deportee song play a few times during the ceremony, the Ramirez family requested that mariachis play Mexico Lindo y Querido. Mexico Lindo y Querido. Si muero lejos de ti. Que digan que estoy dormido y que me, y que me traigan. The song lyrics say, My dear and beautiful Mexico, if I die far away from you, say that I'm sleeping so they can bring me back to you. After meeting with Jaime's family, Tim continued traveling in Mexico and the U.S. trying to answer Woody Guthrie's question, who are these friends? And as of today, Tim has been able to connect with the relatives of six of the 28 Mexican passengers. So he's still searching. As a chair of the California Latino Legislative Caucus, I rise to recognize a tragic incident that occurred 70 years ago. Two weeks ago, on the 70th anniversary of the crash, the California State Senate held an emotional ceremony to formally recognize, for the first time in history, the 28 Mexican victims of the plane crash. Senator Ben Hueso stood next to Jaime and other surviving family members as they held photos of their relatives. And the Senate didn't forget to honor the man who spent seven years of his life making this all possible. Tim Hernandez did the work that the government should have done. But 70 years later, they will be remembered as a valued part of the history of our state. This story was produced by me, Fernanda Chavarri, and Maggie Freeling. It was edited by Nadia Raymond. The Latino USA team includes Marlon Bishop, Andres Caballero, Not getting any Antonio cooperation Cerejito, today from our Janice technology Quevedo. Our engineer and music and editor is Cornelius McMoyler. Our production uh, manager is Natalia Fiedelholtz. Our interns are Stephanie Cano and Reese Williams. Special thanks to Tim Hernandez. His book, All They Will Call You, is out now. Inconsistent at best, and today it's inconsistent. Let's see what we can get out of
I don't like Castro insulting members of my sex. Leftists insisting we got the mystic fix. I don't like capitalists selling me gasoline coke. Well, the nationals burning Amazon trees to smoke. Okay, Big so corporation take over media mine. I don't like the top bananas that are robbing Guatemala banks blind. I don't like the KGB, Gulag, oh, concentration camps. I don't like the Maoist Cambodian death dance. All over the 15 million were killed by Stalin, the terrorist war. He's killed our red revolution forevermore. Screaming love is free I don't like the CIA They killed John Kennedy With paranoid tanks Sit in Prague and Hungary But I don't like how the revolution Paid for by the CIA What's happening now? Tyranny in Turkey or Korea 1980 like right-wing death squad democracy Please take Iran with Nicaragua yesterday They say fair to government keep the secret police off of me No hope communism, no hope capitalism, yeah Everybody's lying on both sides, yeah, yeah, yeah of American military power is a mirror image of Russia's red Babel Tower. Jesus Christ was spotless but was crucified by the mob. Law and order Herod hired soldiers did the job. Flower power's fine but innocence has got no protection. A man who shot John Lennon had a hero worshippers connection. The moral of this song is that the world is in a horrible place. Scientific industry devours the human race. Police in every country armed with tear gas and TV. Secret masters everywhere bureaucratized for good and Okay, so uh, Chicago is Teacher explains why murder can help enlighten low mankind. This is uh, back when the strike was going on. Yesterday, Chicago public school teachers voted to refuse in person work until January 18th. Until 
city's COVID-19 wave oh, I do pity falls below the threshold the poem are grand that was agreed upon last year until the votes ended early he would have the threshold was 400 cases per day who uses so he says it's not an easy vote and I would rather be in the classroom now than worrying there. about what I will be doing the rest of this week but in the I believe it was a necessary vote to save our students, community staff, and important perspectives and competence. Okay, remember that whatever you do to the teachers affects the students. So it's not just now about teacher safety. Students need to be safe. In fact, that's the and first priority. Even though teachers have indicated we are prepared to teach remotely, we have been locked out of all our CPS accounts, including email, Google Docs, timekeeping app, and Google Classroom. So remote learning is not happening today. From my perspective, no one wants to go through with this remote Action. But a majority are frustrated by the inadequate end of COVID in our schools on a district level. On a school level, I feel like my school administration is doing a decent job given the circumstances. We also feel that not enough is being done to mitigate the current this is my fourth year in CPS, though I have been a public school teacher since 2009. This has been a difficult and stressful year, for sure. Stopping COVID spread and policing mask wearing in the classroom, dealing with increased behavioral problems as students were not in the classroom much last year. Hearing news of an eighth grade student at my school dying last week of a gunshot to the head, and having my toddler son's daycare report positive cases, quarantines, are some of the situations that make me that when it's on the organizing work uh, website. And we've got another one. Chicago teacher. Chicago teachers approved deal to end lockout over COVID safety protocol. Gotta remember, in Chicago and probably all over the country, there were editorials being written about how the teachers were turning their backs on their students and how their unions were the villains. get away with actions like this because they could. 
Chicago Public Teachers Unions have narrowly accepted a safety agreement with Chicago oh, Public Schools, entering a bitter dispute with Mayor Lori Lightfoot over COVID-19. Safety protocols of the city's own surge, keeping students in classes in the foreseeable Accepted it. But in the end, it's always left so all along. This guy was voting against it. Chicago public school teachers will return to classroom Wednesday after teachers suspends work action, the mayor says. Your history books got it all wrong. So, so the question is, where should our allegiance be? Of course, our allegiance should be to the kids. And right after that, these are the people who are going on the front lines that we don't often think of kids going to school. It hasn't been that long, so just in case Cat Williams workers, that's exactly what they are. With a little history lesson. Exactly. Hours that they in the 19th were. century, while the U.S. promoted degradation, annihilation with its military, so, U.S. Navy, Mexico got rid of the caste system. All these Voted workers, teachers, and kids and administrators at the school are putting their lives on the line. The Underground Railroad also ran south, which led and black folks to freedom with Mexico right there. They refused to, to do that, like a thousand Oakland. Oakland students left school and demonstrated for safe COVID. In the year 1946, so, Time to move, y'all. Here's some 
Contracts covering 195,000 food and beverage workers will expire before December 31st. 2022. The coalition of several food and commercial workers, UFCW locals, plus one Teamsters local in California, Washington, coordinating U.S. history, U.S. and Mexican history, demands on contracts. 100,000 grocery workers. The admonition that it's movement time. Don't stand still. Longshore was next with I pity the poor immigrant. With the Pacific Maritime the Association, so, for me, covering 22,000 dock workers not only in Washington, Oregon, and California, expires. But the people who have remained faithful to him as he exposes himself. Car haul, con- well, contract covering 4,000 Teamsters who transport new cars from factories and rail yards. To auto dealerships. Car haulers voted down two tentative agreements in their last go round before defeating pay cuts and an outsourcing threat. This could be an early test for the incoming Teamsters Union administration, which has vowed to run more aggressive contracts. A steelworkers pattern organ uh, agreement covering 30,000 oil refinery and petrochemical plant workers expires on February 1st. Marathon Petroleum, now the top U.S. refiner, will be the lead negotiator. It's agreement set the pattern for 20 plants owned by 12 companies. Bakers. The agreement covering Frito-Lay in Topeka, Kansas, where workers struck last summer over 84-hour weeks, expires in September. Also expiring in 2022 is the other bakery contract at Frito-Lay in Vancouver, Washington. Big expiring contracts cover 118,000. From the book by Studs Terkel, with songs by Craig Carnelia, Mickey Grant, Mary Rogers, Susan Birkenhead, Stephen Schwartz, and James Taylor. Recorded before an audience. LA Theatre Works is proud to present the first revised and updated version of this 1970s popular classic. Based on Studs Terkel's amazing book about everyday exertion and everyday people, working is for anyone who has ever punched a clock a cow or a supervisor. Large expiring contracts in and the now, education sector working. cover 268,000 workers. Of note, our two California locals that struck in 2019 34,000 teachers in Los Angeles and 3,000 in Oakland. Nation's largest K 12 educators contract. That's about all the we got time for today. Have a good week and good work and remember if one person gets a dog.
To Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Let's watch Moving on YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Let's Spiegelman. We're hosts of YouTube, YouTube with Michael Spiegelman. Follow us on podcast by with our acronym L W A F L M O Y T. We watch a full length movie on YouTube with you, and you listen to the podcast and yeah. watch the movie at the same right. time. Yeah, L W A F L M O Y T. Yeah, L W F L M O Y T. L W A F L M O Y T. That's every Sunday, two p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or if you're Carl, five percent, five percent. Right. I'm so lazy. Three hours later, I finally get to the show. Five p.m. Let's hear the theme song. Oh, uh, uh, let's watch full-length full movies. Oh, wait, let's do a full-minute promo. Oh, never mind. Bye. See, See you next month. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutinyradio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people.
one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Since 1971, the San Francisco Tenants Union has been fighting for the rights of tenants and for the preservation of affordable housing in San Francisco. Starting from the struggle for rent control in the 1970s, the Tenants Union has been the city's leading advocate for tenants. The Tenants Union is supported by membership and counseling donations, and this enables advocacy to be uncompromising and not influenced by pressures from government or other funders. It is a 501c4 since it campaigns for political candidates, so generally donations are not tax deductible, although large donations may qualify. Please visit WFTU.org for more information. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. ACLU of California reminds us that we have the right to speak out. Both the California Constitution and the First Amendment to the United States Constitution protect our rights to free expression. There are many questions we face when we decide to organize and speak out. Do we need a permit? Are there limitations? Or when or when can we not demonstrate? What about civil disobedience? For all of this information, please check out ACLUNC.org. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Alex! Can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal... Extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby! There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby! Good! Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again! And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive, pharmaceutical, free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. Safe sex is more than just avoiding STIs and pregnancy, no matter what you're into. Make sure that you and those around you feel safe, comfortable, and are having a good time. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be... Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? 
I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things, dude, before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Or download a podcast and you can listen. breakfast and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great big fat nation. As your Chancellor I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, Write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders. Look good on camera. End all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And... Invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. insatiable appetite for all things in life, who scream at nothing and everything at the same time, who dance till sunup, who cause the sun to set again with irreverent bow, who rival the moon with gravitational force, who leave rooms feeling empty and earthquake struck, who don't give a fuck, who make, who do, who dream out loud and laugh loud.